You know, we've, we've been in a series that we're calling Seasons, and we've been exploring these different ideas of phases of life that we go through. Last week, we talked about a season of waiting. What does it look like when we're waiting on God to, to find answers? And what we learned is in that waiting that oftentimes that God is shaping us. He's, he's building character. He's doing something inside of us. And what I want to talk about this morning is I think it's something that we all deal with, um, but oftentimes we don't like to admit it, but it's called a season of change. How many of you guys have ever gone through a season of change where everything like normal in your life is no longer normal anymore? Show of hands, like you feel like things are just constantly changing um, in your life. You know, the season of fall is um, a lot like that. The leaves are changing colors. Um, Even in the season of fall, if you notice it, if you look around even at nature, um, things are actually starting to begin to prep for winter. If you look at all the animals, if you look at the squirrels, they're storing storehouses and nuts. If you look at different, um, different species of animals, they'll have certain particular animals that will all, the, the entire season of fall, they will just gorge themselves with food, like stuff themselves to the brim. They will eat till they can't eat anymore. That's called Southwest Louisiana. But anyway, Um, They will begin to eat and eat and eat because they're prepping, they're preparing for winter. Like if they don't get their food throughout fall, if they don't store something away, when that season of winter comes, when it's completely different, if they have not prepared for that season of winter, they're going to be in trouble. And I I find this um, to be true in life a lot of times when we're in seasons of change, if we're not constantly preparing for them, because I don't know if you know this or not, but change is always going to happen. And change always happens because life happens, right? Life is going on all around us, and sometimes there's just things that are completely outside of our control, and life just changes. It can change in an instant. I say it all the time, but your life can be flipped upside down with one simple phone call. So what I want to do this morning is kind of two things. I want to help prepare you for change. Maybe you're not in a season of change right now, but can I tell you this lovingly? You will be soon. Um, You will be soon. Sooner or later, your normal will no longer be normal anymore. Maybe, maybe you're a young married couple in here, and maybe you don't have kids. Maybe one day you're going to have kids. Can I tell you something? Your life is going to change. (laughs) Or maybe you're single in here, and you're looking forward to getting married one day. Um, And when you get married, look, it's going to be great, but your life is going to change. Maybe you have a good job right now, but maybe maybe a few years down the road, maybe God will call you somewhere else, or maybe he will shift your focus somewhere else. Or maybe sometimes unexpected things happen, like cancer happens, um, death happens, heartbreak happens. Maybe you were in a relationship that you thought like, man, this is like a story for the romance books. This is like Disney in the making. And you thought, man, I'm giving everything of myself to this person. And then over one night, your entire relationship status changed. So life happens. But your perspective in your season of change is often determined by your preparation. It's often determined by your preparation. See, you can go through seasons of change and go, oh my God, why am I going through all this difficulty? Why is everything in my life changing? Why is everything shifting? I don't like it. But see, if you understand that God actually brings us seasons of fall, because in seasons of fall, if you look at nature, nature all around us is prepping for winter. Because they know it's coming. 
They know that a hard season is coming. They know that sooner or later that snow is going to cover the ground. Food's not going to grow on the plants anymore. There's not going to be any nuts to find. There's not going to be anything that they can do. So what has nature just succumbed to? They succumbed to fall is a season of preparation. And that's what I want to do this morning. I want to help you start preparing for seasons of change. Because if you're not preparing for them on an everyday basis, here's what's going to happen. You're going to enter into a season of change where your life is flipped upside down and you're not going to know what to do. You're not going to know what to do. You're going to panic. You're going to be like that squirrel in the middle of winter. It's like, oh my God, I only have two nuts and what do I do? So I want to help prepare you for seasons of change. Before I do, let me pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. God, we pray that this morning, regardless of what season we are in, God, I pray that you would just begin to break down walls, that you would just begin to break down barriers. God, I pray that you would help us to begin to prepare for seasons of change. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, change can be a season of fruitfulness, or it can be a season of drought, depending on your preparation. It can be a season of fruitfulness, or it can be a season of drought, depending on your preparation. I was reading a story the other day, and there was this uh, Japanese emperor who actually commissioned this artist to paint a bird. And this was a few hundred years ago, and this is a true story. He, he commissions this artist who's well-known all over Japan, and he says, listen, I want to put this amazing picture right in the palace, and I want it to be this. He had this very specifications of what kind of bird he wanted it to be, and so he commissions this artist to build it. Well, weeks go by, and no painting arrives at the palace. Months go by, no, no painting arrives at the palace. Years go by, and there's no painting at this palace. And so the emperor starts getting so frustrated, he brings his entire entourage, and he shows up to this artist's house, and he says, Where is my painting? Where's my painting? I've waited for three years, and you haven't given me anything. And so the artist quickly rips out this blank canvas and he begins to paint the bird in in an hour, a matter of an hour, he paints this incredibly world-renowned bird. And the emperor goes, "Why, why in the world did you wait so long? And the artist begins to take out hundreds upon hundreds of sketches of wings, of feathers, of beaks, of all these different kinds of things. And the artist says, listen, the reason it was so easy for me to paint this bird an hour, he said, for years I've been practicing my brush strokes on these wings. I've been practicing my brush strokes on these beaks. I've been practicing the direct colors that I needed to mix for this bird. So by the time that you wanted me to actually paint this bird, I just sat down at this canvas. I painted it with no problem. See, the reason that it was so easy for him to sit down and paint this thing in a matter of an hour and create this painting that was world-renowned, he did it because he had been preparing for years. He'd been preparing for years. You know, I think of my dad, and when he got the news of of cancer, you know, some people would say, how does that not break you? How does that not make you angry at God? How does that not make you frustrated? Like, why don't you just crawl into a ball and just like mourn what's going on? Why aren't you angry at God? And he'll often say this. He said, my entire Christianity has been preparing me for this one moment. See, if you enter into seasons of change, if you enter into a season of where your life is flipped upside down without you ever preparing for it, it's going to break you. It's going to destroy you. But if you've been preparing all along when that seasons of change comes, you're going to go, okay, I'm prepared for this. 
I've been praying every single day for this trial. I've been praying for this test. I have been preparing. I've been seeking the Lord. Therefore, I can go through that season of change. But let's be honest with ourselves. How many of you hate change? How many of you hate change? How many of you like, you love your schedules and you love your routine and anything that throws you out of that, it frustrates you? Anybody? Like you love your schedule. Like if your Wi-Fi doesn't work and you can't watch your Netflix show, you're like cursing the Netflix gods, right? Like what is going on? You hate change. Let me tell you why we hate change. We hate change because change brings about the unknown and the unknown means we're not in control. And we don't like the feeling of not being in control. We don't like the feeling of, well, what's next? I don't know what's going to happen next. See, the the unknown makes our soul feel uneasy. It makes us feel like we can't rest, like we can't breathe, like we just, we can't get a break. You know, during the uh, move that my wife have been in, which has felt like five years in the making But during the move, um, we had a new baby, and we're packing up our house late nights, moving boxes, um, a lot of fast food dinners, a lot not too much sitting around the table. Just life has been chaotic for the past month, super chaotic. And, and there's been a few nights where I feel like there's so much stuff to do because there's moving, there's the new baby, then there's the other five kids that we have. Like, we can't forget about those. Um, all that going on, and then we've been super busy here at the church. And, and there's literally been nights where it's so tempting to just be like, ah, oh, I quit. I, I'm done. Like, I can't do this anymore. Has life ever been so overwhelming to you? You feel like that, you want to be like that bird that just sticks his head in the sand until all the craziness goes away? You ever seen that bird just like, oh my God, (laughs) I can't deal with life. I'm just going to stick my head here until all the craziness like goes away. Like I've felt like that a few nights and life has been so crazy. We've sold our house. We've moved into a new house with a one one week old. There's late nights of packing and moving. Had an incredibly busy schedule here. The word normal has not existed in the McCann household for the past month. There's been no routine. There's been no structure. There's been nothing that is normal about what we have entered into. But there's something that I've discovered in this season of change. Something significant that I've discovered. In seasons of change, it's incredibly difficult for you to find rest for your soul. It's so hard to just take a moment when you have so many things going on in your life and say, hold on, pause Like, I'm uneasy in my soul, and the reason that I can't sleep, and the reason that I feel so anxious, and the reason that I feel like this, and I want to stick my head in the sand, is because I feel uneasy. I feel like I'm not getting any rest from my soul. And the most important thing that you can do in seasons of change is not just prepare for it, but you've got to learn to rest in the middle of the chaos. You've got to learn to push the pause button. You've got to learn to break away for 10 minutes and find some kind of solitude. And some of you may understand, well, yeah, that's great, but uh, you don't understand my schedule. You don't understand what kind of change is going on in my life. It feels like I go to sleep, but I don't get any rest. I go to work, but I don't feel accomplished. Maybe you go on a date with your spouse and you don't uh, feel connected. But the truth is this happens because your soul is not at peace. You're not getting rest. You're not connecting with Jesus. And the truth is your soul is depleted by your season of change and you need to be recharged. 
Let me tell you this. Some of you say, well, Pastor Zach, that's great. I just don't know how to break away right now. I'm in a season where I just got to grind it out, right? I've got so much stuff to do. I've just got to keep going. I've got to keep going. Let me tell you this. Jesus was busier than you could ever be. And all throughout the New Testament, in the middle of the busiest season, Jesus says, I'm out. I'm going to disappear for three days. I got to go pray. I got to go be with my father. In the middle of speaking, he'd literally speak to thousands and then he'd break away for 10, like, hey, where's, where's Jesus? He's like supposed to come on stage in like five minutes. Where's he at? Oh, he just climbed up the top of the mountain. He said he's going to go spend time with his father. We'll start like two hours late. What? Like you see this practice. You can't read the New Testament over and over without seeing it. All throughout the gospels, you see Jesus just constantly breaking away. Silence and solitude and spending time with the Lord in the middle of this chaotic schedule. I mean, Jesus was commuting to the next work site every single day. He was walking with hundreds. He was constantly talking with people. He was speaking to the thousands. He was healing people. He was touching the multitudes. He was doing something every single day. But yet, he continued to break away. So two things that are a must in seasons of change. And I'm going to be honest with you. They're incredibly difficult. And I've blown it big time in this season for myself. But two things that are incredibly, um, they're, they're a must. Number one, in seasons of change, we've got to learn to be still. We've got to learn to be still. And it's hard to be still when you've got a storm going on around you, isn't it? It's hard when you've got everything going on and so many things demanding your attention. It's hard to just quiet yourself and be still. We've got to learn to be disconnected and still in the presence of God. And I know what you're thinking right now. That's great, but my life is crazy. I don't know how to do that. How do I do this when everything in me is changing? Psalms 46.10 says it this way. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Let that verse sink in for a minute. Be still in your storm. Be still in the craziness and the changing pace of your life. Be still and know that I am God, even in the craziness of your schedule, even in the craziness of your life, even in all the changing and shifting things that you've got going on. Be still and know that I'm God. See, God is the same God in the good season, and God is the same God in your season of pain. He has not changed. And so sometimes it's pushing the pause button and going, okay, I've got to learn to be still and I've got to know that God is still good to me in this moment. But so many of us have a hard time being still. I've argued this for three years since we've started this church. I think the number one reason, and it's true in my own life, the number one reason that I hate to be still is because the moment that I'm still is the moment that I have a head-on collision with the reality of my heart and I have to deal with it. I wrote this down yesterday. Stillness equals realness. Because when you're still, when you quiet your soul, you're like, oh my God, I have not dealt with that. When you're still, like it gets real, real quick, right? And the reason that you keep busying yourself is because when the reality starts hitting you, you don't know what to do with it and you've got to go do something to forget about it. See, stillness equals realness. When we are still, the realities of life begin to come to the surface. And instead of dealing with the real problems in our life, we just become workaholics. We just become people that always say, oh, I'm just busy. I have never met a generation that is more busy than we are. 
It's like we are so, so busy. And the, and the truth is a lot of us are busy with things that don't even matter. That don't matter at all. Let me, let me put it to you this way. Have you, have you ever had a young kid that just won't sit still? Anybody? Anybody married to somebody like that? <laughs> Any, my wife is like, I can't sit still, to be honest with you. Is anybody like that person, whenever you go over, you're like this? Always tapping on something, always clicking something. I remember I drove, uh, when I was on a flight to Kenya with, with Chuck, and uh, I was like, dude, I'm going to be sitting there for 12 hours. This is going to be like horrible. I was like, what do I do? And this was in the craze of like fidget spinners. So they have like a 30-year-old on a plane, like just spinning a fidget spinner for like 12 hours, okay? Like, oh, this is retarded, but like I got to do something with my hands. I cannot sit down. But how many of you, if you've ever had that kid that just cannot sit still, how many of you have ever said this line before? Boy, you better sit down before I make you sit down. Anybody ever said that? <laughs> Here's the truth. You got to tell your soul that sometimes. You got to tell your soul that, you know, my dad says it like this all the time because my dad is a lot like me in this side. My dad loves to, he loves the adrenaline of going and being busy. And he said, you know, um, the, he said, I learned it the hard way. He said, I was so busy and I always had different people telling me that I needed to take a break and that I needed to rest. And he said, I think one of the reasons God gave me cancer is so that I could learn that. So that I could learn to stop and pause so I can learn to sit still. See, I find that God loves us so much that oftentimes, sometimes he will bring hard things in our life, a changing schedule, a changing season, so that we can learn to sit still and know that he is God, so that we can connect with him. See, sometimes you'll have to say to your restless soul, be still. In Psalms 131-2, it says this, and this is the first half of the verse. He says, but I stilled and quieted my soul. I want you to notice something. He actually purposely stilled and quieted his soul. He made it a point to do so. He didn't just say, look, I just woke up in the morning and my soul was still. He said, no, I had to carve out a time in my schedule, in my day, in my busy life to go, okay, God, this 10 minutes, this 30 minutes is just a time where I'm going to sit down, I'm going to be quiet, and I'm just going to be still. And no matter what's going on around me, I'm going to do my best to pursue you. See, he didn't wake up one day, get five text messages, three Facebook notifications, and go, oh my gosh, I'm so still. <laughs> he had to make a point to do it. There was something that he had to, to, to tell himself where he said, listen, sit still. I'm going to take this moment right here. I'm just going to be in it. I think one of the main reasons that so many people struggle with anxiety and depression today is because when we have big issues come up in our life, we don't learn how to sit still in them. We don't actually feel the pain of them. You know, sometimes the best thing you can do is when somebody offends you is just to sit in it. When somebody hurts you, like, just sit in it. Because if you sit in it for a few moments, you're going to begin to process everything that you're thinking and everything that's going on. And by the time you've sat in it for 30 minutes, you actually have a clear thought. But if you don't sit in it and you just ignore the issue and, and try to rub it off at something else, you don't really even know how you feel about that particular issue anymore. As I said earlier, Jesus was busier than any of us in here, but yet he made it a point 
to quiet himself. See, the verse goes on in Psalms 131, 2, and it says, But I have stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. See, sometimes we've got to remind ourselves of that. We want to go, go, go. We want to busy, busy, busy. But see, that's one of the most dangerous things that you can do in seasons of change. Because here's the thing that I've learned in the past month. Yes, we've got all these things to do and all these things to accomplish and in this busy schedule and all these kind of things. But in, at the end of the day, like, I'm still human. At the end of the day, I still have a soul that, like, needs to be fed. And if I'm just constantly doing this, 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 and this, then maybe I can last physically for a while, but then I get to the end of the month and just going, man, why do I feel disconnected from God? Why do I feel like he's so distant from me? Why do I feel like all the things that are so important that used to be so important to me aren't important to me anymore? Oh uh, yeah, if I'll read my Bible if I get around to it. I'll pray if I get around to it. But everything else in my life right now is so important. So when we don't learn to, be sit, to sit still, we get our priorities out of line. And we get, begin to elevate tasks over being with Jesus. We begin to elevate the schedule over being with Jesus. As I said earlier, it's really hard for me to sit still, and it's actually always been hard for me to sit still ever since I was a little kid. Um, my mom was always, I remember teachers in high school always had a pencil banging on the desk, playing drums on the desk, or, you know, tapping my foot on something, or snapping my finger, doing something. And uh, it's always been incredibly hard for me to sit still um, every single time we've had a baby in a hospital. Um, I hate confined spaces, like absolutely hate them. And so I, it's so hard for me sometimes to enjoy the moment of having a new child because I'm like, oh my God, I am trapped in this 10 by 10 room, <laughs> you know, with people that keep constantly coming in. So you, you can ask my wife, I've probably ended up like 10 times to go to the vending machine. She's like, you another sour gummy worm. I'm like, I don't even want it, but I just like had to get out. I had to get up. I had to do something. But you know, the tragedy is oftentimes we busy ourselves so much that we miss out on the most important things in life. Connection, being with another human being, like enjoying the moment, connecting with Jesus. See, one of the things that I've actually learned is that my mind and body is actually addicted to adrenaline. I, my wife can tell you this. Like I, some people crack under crazy high-pressure situations for some sick reason. Like I, I love it. <laughs> I kind of thrive off of it. The only way to combat this is to practice being still, is to rest, is to take five minutes to shut down, to connect with Jesus. I found this quote a few years ago, and it's really stuck with me for the past few years. And it says it this way. It says, silence is often a momentary revelation of your deepest self, your true self, and yet a self that you do not yet know. <laughs> Let me read it again. Silence is often a momentary revelation of your deepest self, your true self, and yet a self that you do not yet know. That's a powerful quote. See, the reason that we hate silence is because there's a piece of us that we have been burying for so long. It's a piece of us that leads to depression. It's a piece of us that leads to worry. It's a piece of us that leads to anxiety. It's a piece of us that we've never dealt with, but it is the piece of us that is crumbling us. 
It is the part of us that we don't know why we can't diagnose the problems in our own life. Because in seasons of change and seasons of shifting and seasons when everything is going on and everything is chaotic, we have not quieted our soul. Therefore, we have not connected with Jesus. So the second thing that I want you to understand in seasons of change. So number one was be still. And number two is this, be still and listen. Be still and listen. So many of us are good to talk, we're really good at talking to God. We're really bad at listening to Him. It's so easy just to, to pray and to, you know, vent all of your worries and your frustrations and all that, those kind of things, but most of us have a hard time actually listening to God. Anybody have that friend in, in, in the group that they, they're really good at talking, but they're really bad at listening? Like, bro, you've been going for like 30 minutes. You have talked and talked and talked and talked and talked, but you have not listened to a single thing. And it can be frustrating. I think oftentimes, to be honest with you, I've learned this over just growing in my faith. Oftentimes my prayer is just like, okay, God, I'm, I'm here and I'm, you speak to me. And I'll sit for 20, 30 minutes and just wait. Sometimes I get nothing and, and sometimes, honestly, God really does speak to me. If this is a problem for you, though, listen to what Proverbs says. It says, a wise man thinks ahead, but a fool doesn't, and even brags about it. (laughs) A wise man thinks ahead, but a fool doesn't, and even brags of it. So here's what I'm saying by this. Come up with a plan of attack, and if you don't, then Proverbs calls you a fool. Come up with a plan of action, like think ahead. Okay, today I've got this meeting in the morning. Today I've got to go to lunch with this person. And I've got this busy schedule. But I know from 4 to 5 o'clock I've got nothing going on. And I'm going to specifically take that time to sit with Jesus. You know, usually once a week um, I'll drive to Lafayette and sit at a coffee shop um, where nobody knows me. I've tried to sit here in Crowley and I come in and I know stinking everybody that comes in. So I never get any work done. But every, once a week, I'll drive to Lafayette, sit at a coffee shop, and just sit and pray. And I'm probably look, like, sometimes I'm, I'm probably singing the song out loud with my headphones in, and people are like, who is that weird guy? But there's times in my schedule where I've got, I've got to get away. I've got to go, man, I've got to go somewhere. I've got to sit somewhere. I've got to be with Jesus. One of the things that I actually love about driving to Lafayette on my commute there, one of the things that I do oftentimes is either turn music on or I'll just drive in silence. You would be amazed the ideas that you could come up with in silence. You would be amazed about the things that you think about in silence, of the things that begin to rattle through your brain. Some of the greatest times that I've had with Jesus have literally been in a car alone by myself. Just saying, okay, God, I'm, I'm just here. I'm going to sit. You speak to me. And here's the tragedy. I think that many of us are trading a vibrant, intimate relationship with Jesus for the sake of getting things done. Like, I, I don't know about you, but like, you're not going to get to heaven and God's going to go like, man, you killed the task list. <laughs> you killed it, bro. Like, you just got so many things done. Every, your floors were always clean. <laughs> you, know, you know what I've learned with kids sometimes? And it's frustrating for me. Like, sometimes you just let them make a mess and don't worry about it. 
Don't worry about it. You'd be like, I know, but somebody's going to come over to my house and think I'm a slob. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, well. Like sometimes I've got to learn to just let things go for the grander vision of what God has for me in my life. I feel like so many of us are trading these vibrant, intimate relationships with Jesus for the sake of getting things done, for the sake of accomplishing a task, for the sake of just marking a box off of the checklist. But the truth is, this will affect your marriage, this will affect raising your kids, and it will distract your relationship with Jesus. You have to make a plan of attack. I feel like today, especially in churches across America and all over the world, we have so many people that claim the name of Jesus, but we have so many people that don't understand what a real intimate relationship with Jesus looks like. Like so many of us live under the umbrella of knowing God is what I need. I need a relationship with Jesus, but we don't know what that intimacy looks like. And the only way that we're ever going to get to that point is by understanding that we've got to learn to quiet ourselves. We've got to learn to sit still. We've got to learn to practice the ancient arts of reading our Bible and praying and being with Jesus. I love how Jeremiah puts it in 6.16. He says, stand by the roads and look. Stand by the roads and look. What is he saying? He says, take your life and look at it. Take your life and take a good, hard look at it. Some of you are at a crossroads right now. Do I take this job? Do I marry this person? Do I go with this? Do I do that? I don't know what to do. Some of you are at a crossroads right now and you have a decision to make. Maybe you're in a season of change and you've got to make a decision right now, but you don't know what to do. Can I tell you this? You can search Google. You can ask Facebook for recommendations. You can talk to your friends, but there's no answer like getting an answer from God. One of the tragedies that we have today here in America is most of us trust Google over God. (laughs) We're looking at like, how do I do this? And we can, we, can, we can get answers like that. And the truth is, a lot of them are good answers. But maybe it was an answer for somebody else and not you. Let me ask you this. When is the last time you had a tough decision to make? You stood at a crossroads and you could honestly say, God told me to do this. Or did you just get a consensus by the majority and everybody that mostly agreed with you, you went with that? (laughs) See, Jeremiah is saying, stand at the crossroads and look. And then what does he say? He says, and ask for the ancient paths. What is he getting at here? He's saying, pray about it. Talk to God about it. There are ancient disciplines that are higher than the answers that we can find on Google or Facebook. It says, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient path where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. Here's the beauty of getting a God answer. When you walk into it, your soul is at rest. But when you're in seasons of change and you, you define your own answers and you say, well, I think this is the best thing to do and you don't get an answer from God, your soul is going to be uneasy. You're going to be at a place of unrest and you're not going to know what to do and that season of change is going to break you. See, during seasons of change, here's the truth. It's easy to abandon the disciplines of the faith. I don't know about you, but in this past season, this last month that we've been in, it's so easy to just be like, all right, I read the verse, I'm done. I don't don't got time for anything else. 
I don't got time to spend time with Jesus. I don't have time to pray right now. I don't have time to wake up. I've got all these other things to do. But I want you to hear me really clear on this. If you get anything I say, remember this. If you abandon the things that made you, seasons of change will break you. So here's what I mean. If you abandon the things that made you who you are as a Christ follower, and you abandon those things in seasons of change, that seasons of change will break you in half. I was reading Revelations 2. It starts in verse 4, and it's a very popular passage. It's not going to be on the screen. It's just from memory. But there is a part in it where it says, hey, listen, where, where Jesus is speaking to the seven churches in Revelations, and he, and he says... Listen, this one thing. He says, you've done all these amazing things. You've planted this church. You've got all these people coming. People are coming to know Jesus. But he he says, I have this one thing against you. This one thing against you. He says, you've abandoned your first love. You've abandoned the things that made you who you were in the beginning. And he says, if you don't go back to the disciplines of the faith, of praying and spending time with Jesus in silence and solitude. He says, if you don't go back to that, he says, I'm going to remove your lampstand from you. And there's something powerful about that text, because when he says, I'll remove the lampstand from you, in in ancient time, they would have immediately known what that meant. It simply meant this. It was God telling the church, if you don't go back to your first love, what made you? He says, I will remove my presence from you. He says, you will have a church and it'll be full with a bunch of people, but I won't be there. (laughs) That's a scary place to be at. Even personally, think about it. Man, you you could be praying, you could be doing all the things, but if you're not spending time with Jesus, if you're not reverting back to the God that made you, your first love. Remember when you first fell in love with Jesus and your life changed? And everything in your heart began to make sense and you had this passion, you had this drive to want to pursue Jesus, to want to tell people about Jesus. And then somewhere along the road, life beat you up a little bit and you forgot about what made you passionate. It says, return to your first love. Now, I saved the best part of the message for last because I think I wanted to preach like an entire four messages off of this one thought, but it just physically wasn't possible. But here's a thought that I want you to think about. We've got one more week in this series that we're calling Seasons, but this is where everything kind of birthed out of for me, for this series. Genuine change, genuine change happens in seasons, not seconds. Genuine change happens in seasons, not seconds. And this is hard to accept because we want everything now. Any, anybody shop on Amazon? How many of you will not buy something if it's not prime? <laughs> I'm the same way. Like you're looking through and you're like, oh, dude, that is awesome. Oh, it's not prime. Keep going. <laughs> right? Now, why do we want to buy everything prime? Because we want to click it, buy it, and I want it at my doorstep tomorrow. When does it say it can be here? Oh, I'll pay the extra $2 to be at my doorstep Tomorrow. Why do we buy stuff prime, though? Because if we buy something that's not prime, what does it usually say? Shipping, five to six weeks. You're like, I ain't got time for that. Five to six weeks. I need that phone case now. Walmart doesn't have the pink, glittery, sparkly phone case. Like, this is prime, right? 
We want everything instantaneously. Everything now. It's why Amazon's so popular. You know that in certain, um, just fun fact, but in certain states, especially in California and on the Northwest, Amazon has been piloting these new programs. And they're upgrading their, their services on Prime. And if you buy something on Prime, like in California, Oregon, or Washington, certain products, you can buy it and they will deliver it to your doorstep in the next hour. In the next hour. Now, here's what's even crazier. Amazon has also been researching all these different things. And I'm a technology nut, so I always read these crazy things. But they've been researching these things um, where they're looking at delivering your items by drones. So it's like you could click it, and you could have it there in five, six hours. They're even looking at, I don't know if you heard this, but Amazon actually bought the grocery store Whole Foods. They're even looking at being able to, you click all your groceries and you can click what you want. And like literally in a matter of hours, there'll be drones that show up at Whole Foods and pick your groceries up and deliver it to your doorstep. But it's not going to happen in Crowley, I'm just telling you. (laughs) We, We got a long ways away. We got a long ways away, and you say, well, why is that? Because some of you still pay your bills with a stamp. Okay, I'll just say that. Um, But genuine change happens in seasons, not seconds. Seasons, not seconds. I love this line from Hillsong, and I kind of put it together, but it's from their song Seasons, and it says this, if you're not done working, God, then I'm not done waiting. If you're not done working, then I'm not done waiting. And it goes on to say this. For all I know of seasons is that you take your time. And listen to what he says. Listen, this is so significant. He says, you could have saved us in a second. Instead, you sent a child. Think about it that way. Like God, creator of the universe, who holds all power, could have saved us in a second. He could have just beamed us up to heaven right now. But instead, he sent a child that had to grow up, that had to like, learn to eat and be spoon-fed like your toddler, had to grow up and, and go to school and get a trade with his dad as a carpenter. And then at 30 years old, goes, okay, now it's time. Let's go. Now it's time to change the world. See, God could have saved us in a second, but instead he sent a baby. Because here's the truth. Change, genuine change, only happens over time. Over time. There's no such thing as instant change. Nothing. I, I can prove it to you. Remember the first day that you got saved. Like, you did not get saved, give your heart to Jesus, and all of a sudden you're like, glory, hallelujah. Like, that, that did not happen. Like for the next few years, what did you learn? Okay, this is important for the faith. These are the disciplines of the faith. Okay, going to church is something that I should probably do. Okay, getting involved in community, that helps me. See, if if God asks us to change overnight in seconds, it would just crush us. We wouldn't know what to do. But because he loves us so much, he puts us through these seasons. He says, okay, in this season of life, this is what we're going to work on. In this season of life, we're just going to slowly chip away. 
It's the same thing with archaeology. You know, you have archaeologists all over Israel and all over the Middle East always uncovering these cool artifacts. One of the most fascinating things about when they uncover these different things, old pottery or old cities, they know that these buildings or these walls or whatever that it is that they're uncovering is so old. So they can't just take a bulldozer and start digging the dirt. Every single good archaeologist does it the old-fashioned way. Hammer, chisel, and a brush. A hammer, a chisel, and a brush. And they slowly chip away at the earth. They slowly chip away at the dirt. Why? Because what's underneath it is so fragile. And if they just started bulldozing, it would crush it. It would break it. And the truth is, God understands the same thing about our soul. There are certain areas in your heart that are so difficult to revisit. There's certain things in our life that like, the, even the thought about thinking about it crushes us. There's certain areas in our life that we don't even want to think about. There's certain seasons of change that we don't even want to talk about. And because God is such a gracious God, what does he do? He does it the old-fashioned way, hammer, chisel, and a brush, and he just slowly works us down graciously until we can learn the things that he wants us to learn and we can begin to move forward slowly. See, God's not concerned about how quickly you move down the path. All he's concerned about is that you're on the train and you're along for the journey, and if you grow a little bit slower than everybody else, so what? You're on the team. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. You know, one of the the greatest things, um, or one of the funnest things that I love, I'll just be honest with you, one of the the things that I love is I like being around non-church people. People that are maybe just young in the faith, or people that know nothing about God. Because I find oftentimes that those people just say really real things. They just say what they think, and, and, and there's this idea sometimes that we have as Christians, we get into Christianity, and all of a sudden we have to lose a piece of ourself, and we can't be real, and we've got to hide now, and well, I can't say that because what are they going to think about me, and all those other kind of things. The reason I love getting around non-religious people sometimes is, man, they just say what's ever on their mind. <laughs> my, my, my dad says it this, like this all the time. He says, you know, every single good Christian needs to have a non-Christian around to curse out the people for you. <laughs> they all need it, you know, like they just say whatever you, wanna, whatever you want to say. You just keep them around. Get them. <laughs> My conscience is clean. You, you deal with the Lord. <laughs> change is slow. Genuine change happens in seasons, happens in seconds. And listen, it doesn't, I'm, I'm not here to judge your journey or where you're at. As a church, as your pastor, my heart is for you to just get on the train and get on the journey. I don't, I don't care if you're all the way at the back of the bus. As long as you're on the train, that's all I care about. You may not know as much as some other people or you don't have the knowledge, but at the end of the day, it's not about the knowledge you possess At the end of the day, it's the same thing that all of us should hold true to. And it's just trusting in an all-knowing, sovereign, good God. That he knows exactly where you're at and he knows exactly what you need. I'll close with this. How many of you have ever been to a doctor? 
and maybe you had certain pain in your body and you didn't know what it was and so that doctor keeps trying to diagnose you and you keep going back to the doctor and you keep getting the wrong diagnosis and he prescribes you this medication and then he prescribes you this medication and it seems like nothing is working. Everybody, anybody ever been there? I'm taking this, I'm doing this, it's, I'm taking that, I'm trying this. You, you know the cool thing about God is he knows exactly what you need. So here's what I want you to understand. You may be going through a season of waiting. You may be going through a season of change. We're going to talk about this next week. You may be going through a season of pain. But whatever season you're in right now is probably the medication that God is prescribing you and you need to learn to embrace the season. Okay, God, I'm, if you've got me in a season of waiting, then I'm, I'm going to change my perspective that you're doing something in my heart. If you've got me in a season of change, then I'm going to learn to be still in this moment. We'll talk about this next week. If you've got me in a season of pain, then I'm going to understand whatever pain that I'm going through. God, you're not going to waste that. So wherever you're at, God wants to speak to you. The thing that I love about God is oftentimes, even if it was a painful situation that God didn't put you in and you got yourself there, even if you got yourself there, God says, I'm still enough to get you out. Whatever season you're in, but specifically if you're in a season of change this morning, you're walking through just this crazy, busy life, and you're going, man, God, I want to connect with you. I want to know you. I want to be with you. But I just don't know where to go. I I don't know what to do. I need to learn to be still.